0: Hi, I'm Stephen Apt, and here at Divine Savior Church, we believe that the message of Jesus truly changes lives. And so it's my prayer that as you listen to this message, that it does change your heart, uh, that it brings you peace and hope once again today. After you listen to it, if you wouldn't mind subscribing and liking, uh, we'd be grateful for that, so that more people can hear the message of Jesus. Thank you. We're now in week seven of this series called Disciples, where we are looking at the, the 12 men that Jesus called to himself, that he, he invited to follow him, that he trained, equipped, and sent out into the world to go and spread the gospel message, that the kingdom of God has come. As we've been walking through this series, what we've seen is that all of these men were different. Sure, some of them had the same careers. Uh, They were from the same general area up north in what was known as Galilee. But they're all different. They had different gifts, different abilities. They they had different talents. Uh, They related to Jesus differently. But all of them had one thing in common, and that is that Jesus called them. Jesus invited them, urged them, encouraged them to come, follow me. Which was completely different than the rest of the rabbis or teachers of the day operated. Uh, back then, you didn't a teacher, a rabbi didn't call or or have his disciples come to him. They chose which teacher or rabbi to follow. But Jesus was different. Jesus went and he handpicked people and he called them and said, "You follow me." Though I'm the rabbi, you're the disciple. I'm calling you to come and follow me. And he did it with all 12. And now he called them from something to something. Each of them, from something to something. And that's what we're going to see today with Matthew. But before we look at Matthew, uh, we need to realize that Jesus still does this today. Jesus still calls us. He still comes to us and invites us, encourages us, tells us to come follow Him. We saw that in in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you turn back, uh, we read it earlier. But in, in verse 14, He called you to this through our gospel. Jesus calls us to follow Him through the gospel. And so no matter who you are today, You are hearing the gospel message. Therefore, Jesus is still calling you and me today. He's calling us to the same thing that he called the disciples. He called them from something to something. And so let's take a look at Matthew and Matthew's calling and see what Jesus called Matthew from and what he called Matthew to. We're in Matthew chapter 9. Here is what we're told. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew Sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Who is Matthew? Well, he's a tax collector. But who is Matthew? Uh, Matthew is a Jewish guy who grew up Jewish. Not just nationality, but he grew up in the Jewish religion. And how do we know that Matthew grew up in the synagogue, in the temple, learning the Bible? How do we know that he was a good Jewish boy? Because Matthew wrote this gospel. And he quotes the Old Testament scriptures 99 times in this gospel. In the 28 chapters that Matthew writes, he quotes the Old Testament 99 times. That is more than all of the other three combined. He knew the Old Testament scripture well. And so he grew up going to the synagogues. He grew up going to the temple. uh, He was trained up in in the Jewish ways. And then as he got older, what did he see? He saw the opportunity to make ridiculous money. Ridiculous money and to have a life outside of the constricting Jewish laws. And he took it. And what did he take? A job as a tax collector. How did the Jewish people uh, view tax collectors? Not great. Uh, In fact, they viewed them as traitors because they worked for the Roman government. The Roman Empire owned the majority of the world at the time, and what they did was they went from city to city, town to town, area to area, and they hired local people to tax local people. And it was part of their laws for the tax collectors that you get the taxes that we are owed, and then whatever else you charge, you get to keep. And so what tax collectors would do was they, they would get tax money, send it to the Roman government, and then line their own pockets with the money from their own people. So, for instance, you'd go to Matthew's tax, tax booth, he'd charge you, your taxes were $2,000. You know it, he know it, and he'd say, great, that'd be $6,000. And if you protested, he had the Roman soldiers right behind him that would enforce you paying the $6,000, He tipped the Roman soldiers and pocketed the rest. He was dishonest, greedy. Uh, He was an extortionist. These were what tax collectors were known for low sense of morals, no ethics whatsoever. And who did they hang out with? Other tax collectors and sinners. When the the New Testament talks about sinners like that, uh, it's Sinners from the church perspective, from the synagogue temple perspective. They were people that were probably hookers, prostitutes, people that were all kinds of immoral and, and participating in all kinds of immorality. Uh, these were the types of people that Matthew hung out with. This described Matthew. He not only stole from his people, he made ridiculous amount of money from being an extortionist, and he hung out and partied and drank, and did all kinds of immoral things that kept him out of the temple. He not only cut himself off from his people, he cut himself off from his God, and he had no one to blame but himself. This is Matthew. Now, Matthew, being raised as a a, a Jewish boy in the Jewish religion, knows about the Messiah, knows about the coming Christ, and as he sits at his tax collector booth, as people stood in line, people talked you've got to imagine that he starts hearing about Jesus of Nazareth. The guy who's doing miracles. The guy who's casting out demons. Could this be the Messiah? And then the day comes. Jesus is standing in his line. And I wonder if he thought to himself, I better just charge this guy, get over it, get him out of here as quickly as possible, because if he speaks to me, who knows what he's going to say? He's going to condemn me. He's going to make me feel guilty. I just need him out of here. And yet Jesus approaches, and what does he say? Follow me. Come. Be part of my group. Seriously? Matthew? This guy? Imagine being one of his disciples that are already following Jesus. You want us to associate with him? He just stole from us. Come, follow me, Jesus says. Here's the amazing thing about God's call, Jesus' call to follow him. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done with your life. It doesn't matter what background you have. Jesus calls you and me. And we see that in Matthew. It doesn't matter. Jesus calls him from his life of sin and says, follow me. Me. It didn't matter what he did. Follow me. And that's true for you and me. There's a, uh, a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel, and uh, it talks about this section of Scripture, and I love what the author says. He says, here's a revelation bright as the evening star. Jesus comes for sinners, for those as outcasts, as tax collectors, and for those caught up in squalid choices and failed dreams. He comes for corporate executives, street people, superstars, farmers, hookers, addicts, IRS agents, AIDS victims, and even used car salesmen. He not only talks with these people, but dines with them. And that's what happens, isn't it? Jesus eats with these people. He associates with them. Because Jesus' call is for everyone. And that includes you. And so what does... He calls us from, and what does he call us to? It's your first point today. Jesus calls us away from sin. In order for Matthew to follow Jesus, what does he have to do? He has to leave the tax collector's booth. He can't remain sitting, collecting taxes. He can't remain sitting, being greedy, scheming how to get more money from that person. He can't sit there and continue in his sinful ways he had to leave his career to physically follow Jesus. And Matthew did. And he left it all behind. Uh, It would be foolish for Matthew to say to Jesus, I'd love to follow you. I plan on it. But I'm also going to stay here. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, I'm going to catch up to you. That's not an option. Jesus says, follow me. Leave this behind. Follow me. Calls him away from a life of sin. And that's what he calls you and me to. He calls us to follow him, and what's that mean? We have to leave behind our life of sin, the sinful lifestyles that we think are no big deal. He calls us to leave behind the greed that's so easily found in our hearts, the greed that controls our schedules that controls our priorities, that controls how much we work, when we work, because we just need more and more and more and more. He calls us to leave the greed behind. He calls us to follow him, and that means we have to leave behind the immorality that we're caught up in. When when we aren't respecting God's gift of marriage and we're lusting after other people, when we're caught up in sexual immorality outside the bonds of marriage, Jesus says, you have to leave that behind and follow me. I'm calling you, follow me. Leave it behind. We have to leave behind the debauchery and uh, the party scene like Matthew and his friends. Jesus says, follow me. You can't continue to live this life of sin. Just like Matthew couldn't stay at the tax collector's booth and continue in sin in order to follow Jesus, we can't continue in our sin and follow Jesus as well. We can't say, Jesus, great, I want to follow you, but I'm going to continue to live like this. Jesus says, no, no, no. Follow me. And he calls us away from sin. And the wonderful blessing is that when we follow Jesus, what does he do? He comes and dines with us. He comes and Eats with us. He comes and has fellowship with us. Uh, Eating together is probably no big deal for us today, right? Uh, In our culture, it doesn't mean all that much. But in the first century, if you ate with somebody, you were showing that you are associating with this group of people, that they are my people. And notice who Jesus is doing that with the tax collectors, the sinners the ones who have been banned from the synagogue, banned from the temple, but they're following Jesus now. Jesus says, I come to be with you. It's his grace, it's his mercy that calls us, and he associates with us, no matter what we've done, no matter our background. He comes to us and says, come, follow me. Leave the life of sin and be with me. But he also calls us to something else, And it's your next point. Jesus also calls us away from self-righteousness. We see this in the Pharisees. Because Jesus is eating dinner, and who shows up? The Jewish religious leaders known as the Pharisees. Always looking to catch Jesus. Always looking for some reason to condemn Jesus. And they see he's eating dinner with these tax collectors and sinners. Associating with these people. And the Pharisees say they asked the disciples why is he doing this doesn't he know who they are we're not supposed to be associating with that with those types of people and jesus says it's not the sick who need a do- or it's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick i've not come to call the righteous but sinners jesus doesn't actually say to the pharisees come follow me but what was that line supposed to do Prick their conscience. Have I really been righteous? Am I free from sin? The Pharisees should have easily said, no, and I need you, Jesus. And Jesus was reaching out to them with a different call, but it's the same call. Follow me. Give up your self-righteous ways and follow me. The Pharisees thought that they were good and in God's family because of their moral track record. Because they were in the synagogue every, every uh, Sabbath. Because they went to the temple, they did the sacrifices, they prayed. Because they lived on the straight and narrow, we are good with God because of what I've done and I've accomplished. And Jesus says, leave it behind. To follow Jesus, we need to leave behind not only our sinful lifestyle, but our self-righteous attitudes. And do you know how easy it is for self-righteousness to just start creeping into our life? I'll give you an example. When I was talking about point one, did you think to yourself, wow, I'm glad they're here to listen? Did you think, man, I wish they were here, they really needed to hear that today, but they missed, I don't see them here, that's a shame. That's self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is thinking that we are good with God because of the success that we've had. That we're good with God because my family is good. We're not a mess like that family over there. Self-righteousness says, I'm good with God because I'm in church every Sunday unlike those people over there. Because I'm in Bible study unlike those people over there. Self-righteousness so easily creeps in and it turns inward and says, look at who I am. Look at what I've done. Look at what I haven't done. And Jesus says, you've got to get rid of it. You've got to leave it behind. You can't continue living in sin. You can't continue with your self-righteous attitudes. Why? Why can't we continue in both of those? What we do so well as people, and it's not a good thing, is we, we, we do what we do so well is we divide people into categories, don't we? The moral, the immoral. The righteous, the sinners. Uh, the success, the failures. Uh, the ones that have it together, the ones that are a mess. We do so well at, at categorizing people. And then we think that the one group is better off than the other. And yet Jesus looks and says, you all have the same problem. It doesn't matter if you're righteous in in people's eyes or or unrighteous. uh, You all have the same problem and that's you're sick with sin. All of you have the sickness of sin. And you can do one of two things. Number one, you can act like you don't and enjoy yourself. Or number two, you can try to fix yourself by self-righteousness, and both won't work. Matthew and his tax collector and sinner friends, what did they do? They saw all the symptoms of, I have have the sickness of sin. But they said, we're going to just enjoy life. We're going to live life to the fullest. We're going to have all the pleasures of life, and it's going to be no big deal. That would be like if we went to the doctor, and the doctor said, hey, you have cancer. We should start treatment and you said, I think I'll be all right, and you go out and you live, eat, drink, and be merry, uh, and try to enjoy life to the fullest. We would say that person is foolish. You know what else we would say is foolish? If the person went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you have cancer, and you say, great, what can I do? I know what I I can do. I'm going to go to Bath and Body Works and buy some lotion and put it on my legs and arms. Jesus says that's self-righteousness. You're convincing yourself you're fixing the problem, but you're not. That doesn't fix anything. Leave them behind. Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian or you're listening and you're not a Christian, uh, you may think the whole idea of sin is ridiculous. And yet you, you know the symptoms of sin in your life. Why is it that you never feel like you're enough? Why is it that you experience shame and embarrassment? Why is it that no matter how hard you try, you can't shake a guilty conscience? Why is it that whenever you think of your own death, you get uncomfortable? It's because of sin. These are all symptoms of sin, the sickness of sin that lies within. And Jesus knows that we can try to be like Matthew, we can just eat, drink, and be merry, and ignore it, but we're still sick. We can try to be self righteous like the Pharisees, but we're still sick. We're not fixing the problem because we can't. And Jesus says, It doesn't matter who you are, I'm calling you to follow me. Where? Where does Jesus call us to? To the cross. He calls us to follow him. And where does he lead us? Straight to the cross. Because it's only there that we find the cure to the sickness of our sin. It's only at the foot of the cross that we look up and we see our Savior Jesus, who doesn't give us a program to follow. He doesn't give us a new morality to live. He doesn't give us something to do to heal ourselves. We see Jesus, the doctor of our souls, the great physician, and it's through his wounds that we have been healed. God made Jesus. Who was completely healthy, never sinned once, to be our sin, to be infected with our sin, so that through Jesus we might become healthy, whole, and sound before our God. And so Jesus says, Come, follow me. Leave your self righteousness behind, leave uh, your sin behind, and follow me to the cross. It's your last point. Jesus says, Come and follow me, and we do so, and we go to the cross where we see our Savior Jesus who shed his blood. Our God, who loves us so incredibly much that he took on human flesh to be in our presence, to be infected with our sin, to take it on so that we can have the cure. And it's not something we get, it's something that he gives to you and me. And it's through Jesus' death on the cross that all of our sins are forgiven that the sickness of sin has been healed in all of our souls. That we stand before God healed, whole, healthy. And it's because of Jesus that all the symptoms of sin, all the symptoms of the sickness of sin go away. Did you see? This is incredible to me. I've read this section so many times in my life and yet this is the first time I actually thought about this. Uh, the Pharisees are there, and what, is, what do they say to Jesus and his disciples? Why are you eating with these tax collectors and sinners? Why are you eating with these, these low lives, these immoral people? Who's he talking about? Matthew. Matthew knows what they're saying about him. He records it. And yet Matthew has no shame anymore. He's got no embarrassment, because what does he know? His Savior Jesus has healed him that the God of the world has called him to himself, has healed his sin-sick soul, and that no longer describes him anymore because he's been healed from all of his sin. Your past, when you're connected to Jesus, no longer describes you. Your past no longer defines you because in Jesus, the sickness of sin has been cured. You stand before God whole, therefore the symptom is gone. We no longer have shame. We no longer have guilt. We no longer have the fear of death because we have been healed, we are whole, and we will live with our God forever. As Hosea said, we will walk in the presence of the Lord. And it's all found at the cross of Jesus. Jesus says, follow me. Leave sin behind. Leave self-righteousness behind. Follow me to the cross where you will be cured. And then, follow me out. The resurrected Jesus. He died. He rose again. He says, follow me for a lifelong apprenticeship under our Savior. And so as we leave here today, we not only go to the cross where we're healed, we leave and continue to follow our Lord. We continue to follow Jesus. And what do we do? We learn from him. We continue to grow in the cure of the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection that through Jesus all of our sins are forgiven. We continue to grow in that. We continue to learn from him what it means to live a spiritually healthy life, and we live it, avoiding what causes the sickness of sin. And then, number three, we invite others to the great physician of the soul, Jesus. Just like Matthew, Matthew holds a dinner party. He wants all his friends to know Jesus, and so do we, because it's only through Jesus that the sickness of sin is cured. Jesus is calling you. He's calling you to follow him. He urges you to follow him. He wants to heal your soul. He wants to make you whole again. He says, follow me. Leave self-righteousness. Leave the sin behind. Come, follow me and be cured. He urges you, invites you. He wants you to follow him. The question is, will you? our prayer that you do. Let's pray. Gracious Savior, uh, Jesus, you came into this world completely healthy. Uh, you are the only person that sin has not touched, and yet you were infected with our sin on the cross, and you paid the penalty for our sin so that by your wounds we have been healed. We thank you for healing our sin sick soul. We thank you that you have made us whole. You have made us healthy as we stand before God. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter our background. Uh, it doesn't matter what we've done or haven't done, whether we're a success or failure, uh, sinner or righteous. Uh, we're all sick with sin, and you have cured us all at the cross. We thank you for that. We thank you that you've taken the symptoms away, uh, that we no longer live in guilt. We no longer live in shame. Uh, we live in forgiveness and grace, and it's all because of you. Uh, we ask you to continue to help us to grow in this, help us to follow you, help us to learn from you, and live the spiritually healthy life that you have called us to live. Uh, we thank you for Matthew and, and his testimony here in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, we would not know it if it wasn't for him, uh, because no other gospel writer records his background. He only does. And so we thank you for it, because uh, so many times we convince ourselves that uh, the gospel's not for us, and yet Matthew shows us that the gospel's for everyone. And so we thank you for that. We, help, ask, we ask that you help us to live in it, grow in it, and share it with others. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message today. It's my prayer that uh, it has changed your heart as you grew in the message of your Savior, Jesus. Again, if you wouldn't mind liking and subscribing, we'd be grateful for that. God bless your day.